This is a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Find us at k103.se. Due to copyright, the music is shortened. Oh my god, we're approaching 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> Let's try that again. Thank god this isn't live. Good evening and welcome everybody to a brand new live episode of your favorite show. The show about nothing. Yay! Today we have behind the mics the party Mastadin. Or Mastadin. Or like, I don't know how you do it. I'm trying to speak German and I don't know how. Marie! <laughs> Hello. And she's handling tech like a sorceress. Like, oh awesome. Like, amazing. I, I hope I can keep it up throughout the show. We have 57 long minutes ahead of us, but I'm giving it all my best. <laughs> I trust you with blind faith. You know it. And uh, there's also me. I'm uh, Belen, and I'm having a good hair day today. So if you want, you can call me Queen of Curls. Oh, that is that is a fair thing. Like I'd be fine with that if you wanted to do it. And sadly, Fatima is not with us today. She's out of the country again. I really do think that she should think about her carbon footprint because it is uh, getting <laughs> out of hand. Like planes here, there, everywhere, skipping radio, like what the hell. So she's in Poland right now. Mm-hmm. So hello from Sweden to Poland. Hi. Um, so sadly, then we are the best buttocks on the radio. Minus one. We're trying to keep the reputation going here. Yeah, I think yeah. she's playing a frisbee tournament actually. So, she is. Yeah, okay. I think it was something like that. If I remember correctly, I might be wrong. Uh, I definitely don't know. So <laughs> I see someone else in the studio as well today. Yeah, I don't know if you can sense it in the in the wavelength of our sound, but there is a big anomaly in the studio today because we have a man with us. <laughs> Give it up for Declan, please. Clap, Hello. Clap, clap. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for I'm coming. very blessed to be here. You are? Yeah. Really? Feel it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's been approved by me, even though he's a man, so it's okay. He can be a guest in the program. Thank you. <laughs> After months of begging, he's finally found like a little spot to come a, here. A tiny like st- sliver in yeah. my extremely packed schedule yeah mm. that I we're, we're to blessed yeah. he do be blessed. important yeah, yeah he do be a mama he also do be a little diva and <laughs> <Oi, laughs> needs to be begged <laughs> what a start <laughs> this is how we talk to each other it's okay we i do think we like each other or he lets me think that i don't know but um he's also the main reason why we've chosen the topic of oral history today mm. um and if you don't know what oral history is don't worry, we're going to explain it in a little bit. But just to like get you in the mood, we're just going to be discussing uh, around the fact that sometimes historians, even though they claim to have the absolute truth, they're also human. And there's a little bit of bias in the retailing of, of the stuff that they tell us. So um, I hope that by the end of the show, we'll have given you a little bit food for thought. Like every next time you read a historical uh, recount of something you you think hmm what what if like if anything I want to give you what ifs as a radio host <laughs> and Declan is like an expert in oral history ish ish <laughs> <laughs> very very modest 
he's as well so it probably like help us through this journey but before we start let's uh, get some music going we're gonna go with uh, Jelassi Balance um, quote unquote oh no parentheses inside parentheses Vad händer Fatima? Varför är du inte här med oss? This song is coming up just for you enjoy Here we go. You're listening to the show about nothing on K103, Gothenburg Student Radio. Beep, beep. <laughs> and today we are talking about oral history with our in-house expert, expert Declan. That's Thank right. You. That's right. Thank you again for coming. Thank here. you for having me. Uh, <laughs> like I said, feel very, very happy to be here. Very blessed. He's literally going to man's plane. Jesus Christ! How did I allow this? Come on, give him, a, <laughs> give him a chance. You invited him, so I'm actually quite excited. Um, when Belen announced to me that this is going to be the topic of the show, um, I mean, I do understand the two words that you know make the title, but mm. uh, don't necessarily could say that this is a field that I've been like involved in a lot thinking about a lot or reading about it so I'm quite like you mm. know learning by doing the show myself today mm. it's cool so please introduce us to the magic world of oral history what is it some definitions please yeah so we, we were discussing that a little bit before and I think you can kind of describe oral history in a, in a like a couple of different ways I think there's there's the couple of ways of, like looking at it you have kind of like oral history like from communities or like you know cultures or, or or peoples in the sense of that they have like this own tradition of like passing down mm. uh histories uh to from one generation to the other and you know having their own kind of like oral like memory or whatever mm. so you have certain cultures that particularly ones that don't have like a, a written language is a lot of uh there's a, there can tend to be a lot of oral history that, that's transmitted then uh through that so, for example, uh, I read a book re recently about the settling of Polynesia mm -hmm. uh, and about how, like, that was settled through, like, these, like, people who, like, did these, like, mad sailing journeys where they would sail around, like, you know, Polynesia, you know, the Pacific Ocean. And it was, like, done through, like, this kind of, like, sailing tradition in which you would, like, use history in order mm -hmm. to sail the ocean. So, you have, like, these, like, stories that would help you to be able to read the stars and read the signs and stuff like that. But then you also have, like, oral history that's, like, perhaps the more, like, traditional sense of describing oral history in the sense of, like, you have, like, historians recording people's stories. Mm. Um, so there's, like, kind of two different, like, sides to it. So you have this like, very, like, organic, like, oral history in the sense of, like, it's a community um, that, that has this, like, story. And then you also have, like, historians then pretend like going around and interviewing people and trying to find out what their perspective on a certain historical mm -hmm. event was um and that kind of that kind of side is more like you know it's it's more it falls more into like the traditional sense of recording history but then it becomes more of a like instead of like a top-down history and that, that you look at mm -hmm. like you know what they said that politicians did or like what the official documents said or whatever you have this like like bottom-up uh perspective and that you say like what did the what do the ordinary people say about a certain event or a certain time period etc the, the so interesting because the first thing that now pops into my mind is that i've been uh, uh recently watching netflix this um outlander 
uh, mm. new season. Uh, I mean, for those of you who don't know, it's about like time travel. It's get it, ready I, for thirst trapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's been great in the beginning. I think now they're just dragging it for a bit too long. My uh, opinion, but um, the the fact is that people from sort of the present travel into the past and mm. then they know about the history that mm. will happen to these people in the past mm. and with that knowledge it's not always easy to live because especially when it goes you know around big uh, uh, dramatic events you you might want to like affect and influence them and change mm. them mm. and uh, there was just this um, scene where like uh, people from Great Britain they had just like settled in America mm. and uh, they knew about this conflict between like the new settlers in America versus the Indians there mm. um, and uh, th this person from the future was passing on that knowledge about hey in your future some really dark chapter awaits so mm. be prepared and since the Indians in that sense didn't have uh, documentation books reading at least not you know to that mm. time in that movie um, they were just promising I will pass down this information to my sons mm. and my sons will mm. pass it on to their sons mm. so it's pretty much like what you just talked about yeah exactly yeah um no, I think it's it's really interesting because I think both obviously both sides of like that whole like all history kind of coin or whatever you want to call it, they both have like really interesting factors to it. You know, there's mm. there's the whole like the way in which you know community based oral history can be very much like tied. It's not it's not always necessarily historical in mm. the traditional sense of like this is something that actually happened. Sometimes mm. you can you can weave in like myths and legends and all that kind of thing, and then you also have like the the oral history that's done by historians if you were to put it that way and that's kind of like that also has its own like pitfalls in the sense of like but the historian is still the person that's recording it yeah and they can choose to ignore certain things or they can choose to leave out certain aspects and that kind yeah. of thing weirdly enough like my brain now literally like being the one that's kind of learning today and listening mm. it's just jumping from one you know thought to another uh, second jump was now to the bible i mean mm. especially like uh in the books of, like, where the, all the different are they called prophets or like the, the I, I disciples yeah. yeah those yeah. who like no, Johannes and uh, yes those are those Mateus are and, the evangelists oh those yeah, yeah. yeah. so like um, sorry <laughs> apologies Tap, tapping into my Christian Jews <laughs> like evangelists <laughs> finally a moment to shine mm. um, no but they all tell the same story like mm. when you just look at mm. the version that you hear over and over like as a person that sometimes goes to church for Christmas you know, you you listen to the story, and they all kind of have a little bit of a different twist. It's the same, but you know, it's and a different there's, flavor. There's also some some people that wrote the same story, but they are not considered officials, like mm. apocryphs or something. Like in Spanish, mm -hmm. it's called apocrypho. Mm. So I'm guessing in English is something of mm. the sorts. And I think there's one by Mary Magdalene, or like oh, okay. mm -hmm. there are some women around, like women that were involved in uh, Jesus Christ's life, mm. Mm. quote because we don't know if this actually happened or if it's fiction or if it's fiction wow yeah because wow. <laughs> it's, like, it's like super elaborate Harry Potter <laughs> wishes to survive that long <laughs> but um, yeah so it's, it's very interesting like which which retailings of what happens are allowed and are considered yeah. canon mm. and which ones are outside of that mm. also trying to like tackle the same the same story but uh, I also happen to know that you did your bachelor thesis on oral history mm -hmm. so would you like to tell us about that bit yeah so basically I um I did a history undergraduate and and like you had to came to the point in which you had to do your uh, 
uh, dissertation and I was kind of like, well, my family's from Northern Ireland, so it'd be quite interesting to do something on that. So what I did was I did a a family-based oral history of, of Northern Ireland, which kind of like put like my own family's history up against like the traditional narrative. Uh, so what I did was I interviewed my, my dad, my aunt and my uncle and basically spoke about their kind of like experiences of growing up in Northern Ireland, uh, leaving Northern Ireland and coming back to Northern Ireland. Uh, and what that kind of said, uh, as opposed to what like the the traditional, if you read a history book about Northern Ireland, what that says. Mm. Uh, and like for example, you know, you interview them and and or you you kind of read the traditional history, and it says like uh, Catholics and Protestants in Northern Ireland didn't really talk to one another or didn't really mm. mingle even before the the troubles, you know, the the war in Northern Ireland. Mm. Whereas like I'd interview my 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 family, and they'd say that like my grandparents had like friends that were protestants that would come around and they would hang out and everything so it was kind of almost like using oral history as a way of like challenging the traditional narrative and saying like yes on the whole history might say one thing but there's a lot more nuances to it than potentially what what the 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 overarching narrative kind of says which was really interesting and because it was so close to my own um family as well obviously with my own family history it was kind of cool to like then play with like bias and that kind of thing mm. and like say well i'm not i'm not necessarily impartial in this mm. you know, this is something that has impacted me you know it's the reason i'm alive today is because mm. my dad had to like leave northern ireland that's why i'm alive do you know what i mean yeah, it's like yeah. th- all this is like led in to me being born do you know what mm. i mean in a in a like a very obviously everyone can say that do you know what i mean about anything mm. but it's kind of <laughs> cool to like then like pinpoint that point and be like okay well these events have literally impacted my own like existence. You know what I mean? Which yeah, I thought it was quite cool. It's uh, ju- like just thinking uh, about this um, density. Every country has a dense history, and mm. there's like a lot of events. It doesn't even have to be war or like mm. crises or anything great. Like you know, daily life is dense itself. Uh, but just also thinking of this whole uh, war past of uh, Germany and how much migration happened inside mm. of Germany because mm. of families being affected in certain ways and so on super interesting like it gives me a lot of food for thought to mm. sort of compare a little bit i think like uh yeah almost makes me want to read your <laughs> thesis <laughs> i will i will yeah. email it to you if you if you're I've, interested i've thought about it like oh my god i would really like to read your thesis but then i had to like sit down with myself and be like but would you really <laughs> like would you force this poor man to send you his thesis and then decide to watch a silly netflix show or something <laughs> instead with your free time i i did um uh nothing on like all history but mm. I also worked with uh, narrative interviews in my uh, mm. undergraduate and I thought it was really interesting because you do get this personal approach mm. on things and I do really like this uh, comparison between if looking at the more official science papers and then mm. looking at how people retell or voice their opinions on a certain thing mm. so I, I did really enjoy that part as well mm. social sciences yay <laughs> <laughs> 100 percent uh should we like take a little break a little musical break and we're gonna listen to banshee moku Mm -hmm. which is and i cannot read the whole name of the of Uh, the song (laughs) neither can i i can give it a shot uh it's long uh so banshee moku by ku Sotare Jinsei Sayaku no. Sorry. <laughs> I hope it's a good one. <laughs> it is. Mm. 
K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Hello. You can also listen to us in K103.se or where you find your podcasts, mainly Spotify. Like everyone always says, wherever you find your podcasts, you mean Spotify. You just don't want to like give them Actually, uh, um, um, what is the other, like Apple Music, I listened to something there as well. Yeah, so. and Fatima has... Acast. Acast yeah. is a thing. Yeah. And and yeah. why is the one that Fatima uses? I, maybe it is Acast. No, actually. no, it's no? not Acast. It's not well. like Deezer. Deezer. Oh yeah, That's she a blast from she the past. has wow. really she has this me- me- mega long um, list there with like yeah. her best hits and, and stuff. And whenever you want to send a, a song and you send a Spotify link yeah. because you're used to it, and she's like, oh, I cannot play it because I don't have Spotify. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> so I admire you somehow. <laughs> anyway, back to our topic, oral history. I was also um, like studying because sometimes you do do that. And I don't know if I've ever said this on air. I guess I have. But I have a bachelor's in uh, biomedicine or undergrad. Is that like a typical British-American thing? Like you call it bachelor's in America and... I think in England you say both. You say both? Yeah. I always like the undergraduate. It sounds very... Undergraduate. (laughs) So my undergrad is in uh, biomedicine. Mm -hmm. And then I made an attempt to get a molecular biology degree. Um, and when you study these kinds of subjects that are very close to like pure science, mm. pure science being mathematics and then physics and chemistry and all those, mm. um, you're taught a way of doing research that's very like stiff and you're always taught to be like very objective, like as objective as you can. Mm. Even then, you you can in, introduce some bias in your do- research because you really you want a specific um, outcome of your experiments because otherwise you don't have a thesis, and if you don't have a thesis, you don't graduate, and if you don't graduate, what are you but a failure? So you're always like, there's always the chance of you uh, introducing some bias, but apart from that, you always they, you're always taught to like look at your uh, experiments from a very like outsider point of view Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, but now I am getting into public health and of course you bringing the social sciences that Marie was uh, howling for before (laughs) and this this thing starts it starts to change. Like mm. you start putting yourself in the middle of mm. what you are It's almost provocative, provocative way of researching compared to what you just yeah. described. Like. I mean, for me, it, was, it has really like opened my eyes in a way because I like, I, I wasn't aware that you could like use your bias for your research or like put yourself in the middle of it mm. somehow. I feel like it's probably quite like, controversial maybe or like it's not it's not maybe i think i think it's kind of like like when i did like uh i did like a postgrad in like media studies or journalism Mm -hmm. and there they were trying to make it very sciencey i was like this isn't a science we're not doing a science right now (laughs) like this is social science and stop trying to make social science a science because it's not it, you know it's I mean? not and it doesn't have to be yeah, like, it I, doesn't have to be exactly I, gra- yeah. I graduated in uh, communication and I, I got a master of science uh, because just my program was embedded in the like digital communication mm-hmm. uh, services department and so on so it was uh, more techy but we were not techy at all no. <laughs> uh, so now I have this uh, thing that I can decorate myself with which is sort of not describing the truth of my education which is uh, <laughs> sometimes a bit challenging uh, and I think I really like that so that's why I like cut both of you off a little bit <laughs> 
um, <laughs> because I, it's true like you cannot compare them it's yeah. not the same like a mm. science thing and field mm. it's just so different in its entire essence mm. so yeah hard to yeah. compare and not necessary to compare either exactly. yeah exactly and I, I when I started studying this masters that I'm I'm going through now um, I realized that the way that I was doing science before is only like one kind Mm. of science that you can do or like one kind mm. of research that you can mm. do and I learned that it's called positivism mm. and apparently this is a very like Eurocentric and very colonialist way of conducting research which like I had I hadn't even like thought about I thought like mm. this is just how you do it this is the way to go mm. Mm. Uh, and then um, I did a course now in uh, what's it called gendered no critical gender studies so like you look at uh, stuff whatever you want basically and you analyze it with a gender perspective and you have to be critical of the perspective that you're analyzing it with mm. like okay we are claiming to be this this and that but are we really doing this are we really doing that are we being intersectional are we being uh, very neoliberal like mm. what are we doing just sort of like <laughs> your down-to-earth explanation of my course and in that I had to read a thesis and I happened across because it really like I was just walking in the library and the thesis was there and I read the title and it was like popped up to me this is how I pick things in life like I'm just walking around Randomize and like it. That, <laughs> yeah, just like introduce some randomness in your life and this thesis came up to me and it was called writing weaving Sami feminists oh. feminisms and I, I was like okay we're gonna read about Sami feminism because I like in my head in my European head I'm like how can Sami people being native people be feminist like how is this a thing mm. and <laughs> girl <laughs> the bias and I just picked it up and I started reading it and it was so interesting because she she called it the author is called Ina Nobloch mm -hmm. and she just graduated from Lund University 2022 um, maybe I sh maybe we should contact her. You should write to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna write her. She's gonna be like, so happy. Her thesis really like impacted. It changed me my life. Yeah, <laughs> we made a radio show about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, she was talking about how so there's this tradition that you have in in Sami cultures, which is weaving. And I don't know if you like. Okay, first, who are Sami people? Sami people are the natives of the north of Europe, like around the Arctic. Uh, Pole, mm -hmm. and they are spread around Sweden, Russia, uh, Norway. Norway, and Finland. Mm. Uh, so here we're just talking about some some people in the Swedish context, mm. and it, this is also specified in her thesis because she herself was uh, from Sami descent. Mm -hmm. uh, so she decided to look at this because she wanted to reckon with like. Um, how she was dealing with her identity um, so she talks about how there's this tradition of weaving I don't know if you've ever seen if you live in Sweden or you're Swedish these uh, bracelets that have like this silver uh, braids on them mm. these are 
these are typically Sami. Mm. I mean, I only know about Sami people because when I first moved to Sweden, I moved to the north of Sweden. Mm. So that's where the Sami people used to live. Mm. So in Umeå, where I lived for six years, they they always tried in university, they always tried to like um, include Sami people or like... Um, they would have like these big signs with like the names of the seasons but in some mm. like this and kind the, of thing the, I remember because I studied an exchange semester there mm. there was this uh, like international Sami day is it like the 6th of I don't remember actually my apologies but mm. I remember that it was a big mm. thing and like raising awareness but then also because there was already like uh, geographic proximity yeah. to the whole exactly so they felt like mm. they felt compelled to like really mm. acknowledge them mm. because they were it's a big part of their identity so this whole weaving like it used to be like gender non-confirmative like Men anybody weaved, could weave. Women weaved. Doesn't matter. It, there's no hierarchy here. We weave because this is our custom. Uh-huh. This is what we do. And when the when the Swedish came in to try and like conquer their land, uh-huh. um, they were like they divided the the practice of weaving, mm-hmm. and they they made like male weaving and female weaving. Mm-hmm. I cannot say the word because this this uh, Ina the mm. author of this thesis uh, comes from like Lule Sami so she had all the Lule Sami words mm. in her thesis but I don't have them right now in front of me and I don't want to attempt to pronounce them because I will butcher them but the and then so then female weaving became lesser than male weaving because of the intervention of the Swedish um, way of life mm-hmm. and but it actually turned around because it was so underrated. Then then we women started to weave motives that would tell the story of Sami. Cool. Um, of Sami practices that had been like um, prohibited. Mm. So they used this like um, under underrating thing that the the Swedish the Swedish government imposed on them to continue legacy and to like extend the Sami traditions and and yeah and teach them to their children mm. so that we have them now or and they have them now and they can like retrace their history and realize who they are and where they're coming from because and it's also this is a very like clear way of like I think or I thought of like retelling the same story mm. uh, against what we've been told mm. because uh, Sweden does, didn't even recognize until very recently that they are colonialists. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, this is necessary the, to uh, this acknowledge. Is, yeah. This is written in the thesis. Like it is a very recent thing that Sweden recognized that they had colonized mm. Sami mm. and. And they don't really consider that they did that much wrong. I'd like to um, make a comment or kind of connect to the storytelling you were just taking up in that um, part. Uh, I 
I love that approach that you, um, like everybody has a voice and whatever reality you live through, you can use your voice uh, to tell mm. your story and it will always have the subjective touch because, mm. I mean, you tell it. And uh, uh, that's a bit disconnected now to the Sami reality, but um, I do work um, as a youth education coordinator um, in the European Union and I work with different people from different European backgrounds and uh, all that our sort of network is about is um, people telling their story to use it to inspire other young people to, to, to go abroad and like do, you know, exchange experiences. And I just think that it's such a powerful tool to, mm. to use your story to, you know, Uh, I don't know, tell about your people. And I really like that um, despite the difficulties or despite being sort of, you know, controlled by the uh, mm. um, col colonialists, uh, Swedish people, you continue to uh, combine mm. storytelling with like a handcraft that's weaving. And I think it's just really, it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, another beautiful thing we could do is just listening to a little bit of music <laughs> before we continue in the flow of the show. So um, maybe should we take uh, the Feel Good song? By Slow Tie. Yes, let's. And right now you're listening to the show about nothing on this lovely Saturday uh, in the studio, Belen Declan and me, Marie. Uh, we've Hello. been covering grounds on um, the topic of oral history. And uh, right before the song, we, we had a really lovely uh, excurs, ex do you say that? Um, trip through the Sami history because Belen happened to find a very interesting thesis um, about storytelling and um, colonization. And like, you know, there was a lot of information. However, I'm not going to repeat that. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. It was really interesting. We loved uh, it. <laughs> in fact, you. yeah. Um, I wanted to make a comment on um, this entire field of like oral history and telling things. Um, it's so much controlled by... Um, The, the political power that's like in a certain area, I feel like just thinking about history uh, that you teach uh, children in school, uh, you can go to, you know, like very small young children or you go to high school, but like there's an author who writes uh, a history book and that person didn't necessarily live through the history itself. This person probably already used ser several sources to, to write the history book. And I think the narrative that you have in history book um is always controlled so much by what is allowed to be told, what is allowed to be said. And I think in a European context, and, and I know it's necessary to, you know, uh, reflect on the Eurocentristic views we all mm. have deep ingrained in our brains, but um, just looking at European history, th I'm so sure that like the French history book and mm. the English history book and the German history book, they all tell a similar thing. Like, you can pick the war or, I don't know, whatever Great Depression, and they all will have a different mm. touch which is, you know, the national bias that is in there and then, like, w who is controlling um, the, the, the the systems of power in that country at the mm. time when the book is written. So there's so much control and influence. Uh, and I think we all know that it's important to reflect, but uh, it's also so easy to mm. to forget about that. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. But it's, but it's like history, history is basically, particularly in, like, the kind of, like, 
the the, the popular history. History mm. is just a way of explaining the present. Yeah, true. And 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 it's kind of like the, what a, like a good example is is like Americans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Americans! Like, <laughs> I love how we are laughing a little bit. <laughs> but like basically, basically like Americans, like Amer- particularly online, Americans will like try and like start fights with like people from the UK uh-huh. and be like, yeah, but I mean, what did they teach you about the War of eighteen twelve? In in the UK, and uh-huh. the, a war of eighteen twelve was when the the newly formed United States, newish mm. formed United States, and 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 the UK went to war mm-hmm. for like a year, and no one in England knows this happened. No one knows yeah. about it. <laughs> I Whereas, only know about it because I went and watched Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's like it's not it's not a big deal. But for America, it's very much this like central this whole like mm. revolution war of eighteen twelve. Civil War to a certain extent, it's all about like America is exceptional. We're we we are what we are, and it's kind of like the same thing with like like France, for example. Mm. You know, with the French Revolution, it's like these mm. are the values in which you and and history is like history's history is what it is. It's like unchangeable, and what it is is that history's happened, and and from like a from like a base point, we have no idea about it, and all we can do is just pick out certain aspects that help us understand mm. it mm. but you're never actually ever going to fully interpret history yeah. it's like this this is like i got into like the whole like philosophical kind of thing about mm. history is like you'll never know really what happened because even if you have like a film of something it's like well what if you had like another angle of yeah. what happened do you know mm. what i mean it's like yeah. you can never fully understand what what's gone on and it's kind of like this whole thing of like history is just a way in which you you utilize it to explain yeah, exactly yeah. that's it like if you if you have a specific angle you can use this angle to like tell exactly. whatever story suits you and when it comes to politics like to use that in your favor yeah and yeah it it keeps happening over and over i was just um thinking this very very simple mind exercise actually like when you um i don't know tell about whatever happened to you to a friend i am pretty sure since we like in a way this instagram phenomenon like we want to tell stories in a cool exciting and interesting yeah. way so we gonna spare the details about all the bad things yeah. or the mm. uncomfortable moments mm. that mm. might be essential to an event itself to understand it in the complexity but we you know we choose to tell the things and i'm uh, i'm i'm i was just like, getting lost a bit in my brain but uh you know I'm pretty sure if I tell something to you and if I tell it to my mom, I will tell different stories yeah. without mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. really being super, like, controlling my head about it. It's just mm-hmm. going to happen. I just came up with a question for uh-huh. Declan. Like, do you think um, that the Instagram stories that we're posting at the moment, do you think that will be a way of, like, building oral history and trying to retell, like, the lives that we're living right now in 2023 in the future? For sure. I think, for I sure. think, I mean, literally everything is history. I mean, you can... Li- mm-hmm. I mean, we, my friends and I would joke about it when we were at uni and it was kind of like, you had like friends doing like mathematics, you had friends doing like, you know, biomedicine or you had friends doing chemical engineering. And it was like, our degree is basically just shit that happened. And then you just like <laughs> look into it. And it's kind of like, you can, it, it can be like, you yeah. know, the most grandest thing in the world or it can be like the, the most minute thing. Like I, I knew someone who did like their dissertation was on like, like uh, grave like headstones do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it's just like what can that like tell you like historically wow, and it's wow. like That's it's so like cool, yeah but it's like but it's like uh, 100% like everything is like a source do you know what I mean yeah, and and, yeah. and and all it is is about um, is about looking at the, the providence of it which is mm. like you know like what why the person produced it 
what their potential biases were, essentially what what are the limitations of it. Mm. But everything can be used for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you're just reminding me of me messing around with my brother because he's studying history right now, mm. and and he's we are competitive, me and my brother, with one another to like see who's the smartest. I think he's the smartest, <laughs> but I happen to study sciences, so I have a whole like bunch of knowledge that he has like no idea about and I'm always like messing around with him like you're always studying about like dead languages and like dead people and like mm. things that are not alive anymore and I'm doing the opposite so really who's more knowledgeable <laughs> when we compare the two of us and he's always like yeah but I can like speak Latin and you can't <laughs> so I'm like okay cool whatever I think I win <laughs> as long as I win a trivial pursuit uh, we're good. I mean, uh, this whole thing, like now you touch up on Instagram and then like there's the siblings thing, but mm. you know, these the Google memories that you mm. get from your photos, mm. like that in a way is an interesting yeah. snap version of like your history, mm. like of the, I love it. They're so random It's because also maybe we're not there yet, but like what Google thinks is, yeah. you know, great moments and, and they put them together in a collage and sometimes it's just the weirdest things. <laughs> and like now people are getting like memories memories of when they started uh, isolating yeah. because of covid and it was mm. like three years ago and people are like Ooh. what is this trip that we all went into <laughs> and like how has it been three years mm. and like you but i always think hindsight is always 2020 vision like for you personally but like then again for history and historians i'm not sure like if it is but this is just like a question that I'm throwing in the air, maybe. Um, I have something else that I need to throw in the air, which is a yeah. song. And because we are following strict radio uh, broadcasting rules, so it, it is time. And I think the one that I have left here is Dorliga Vanur by Babian. Yes, I was nice. thinking, is there like a rivalry between Katamurga and Mamba? Probably. I mean, are we friends or are we enemies? I mean, yeah. Yeah, but so. not really. Yeah. Like, we will band together against Stockholm. So, so that that makes us fren- frenemies. <laughs> frenemies. <laughs> um, I, I think like we're close to the end, so we should be wrapping up. But I think I also wanted to like include like just a tidbit of extra knowledge for you guys. Like Go ahead. this uh, kind of different retellings of what actually happened and history mm-hmm. can also sip into science. And um, I wanted to dedicate these few words to Sally, Declan's fiance, because I we both studied molecular biology, and I thought about her and then I came up with this uh, so yes just uh, this one goes out for you um, <laughs> wow. I should stop watching stuff like I get to um, anyway. I'm so curious now what uh, it is no 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 it's about you know when you are learning about DNA in school mm-hmm. uh, you learn that the people that discovered the, the structure of DNA the double mm-hmm. helix mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know about yeah. that but it's like this whole like how there's two strands and they like how they of, connect and stuff. I actually liked connect, it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And you tell it. You get told that it's Watson and Crick. Yeah. 
which is these two guys that started in Cambridge. I've been I've been to the pub where they used to drink up because I've been in Cambridge somehow. Life well, is life, life is random. Yeah. Life is random. Yeah, and uh, and you just get told this, and you like kind of accept it, and you go into like uni, and mm-hmm. you learn about biochemistry and biology, and they still keep telling you this, but what do they not tell you? And you sort of have to figure out on your own, is that uh, there was a very important person in this discovery of the double helix structure of the DNA and this is Rosalind Franklin who was uh, doing x-rays and like uh, taking pictures of of the DNA in I don't remember which um, like experiment she was doing exactly but it involved radi- radiation so she spent like many hours taking pictures of how of DNA mm. per se and like then developing them and that, that takes a lot of time and therefore she got in a lot of radiation through oh. through the whole mm, making of Research these pictures and, yeah. and it was these pictures that really inspire Watson and Crick to say Are you amongst other things like wait a minute this is the picture that we're getting this means that DNA is structured in a double helix Therefore, like, it was like the last, mm. you could say, I think I am introducing my own bias here, but you could say it was like the last drop, like the cherry on top. It mm. was her pictures. And then Watson and Craig got their they got the prize. <laughs> they got the credit because they did figure it no. out. She, she was uh, providing pictures. Mm. And they had all their evidence that helped this hypothesis that they mm-hmm. had. And uh, they got their Nobel Prize. And I don't know if you know this, but you can share a Nobel Prize between three people tops. Mm-hmm. And you'd think, well, obviously, Rosalind, she be the one because, like, she was there, like, doing this whole thing. And she did not, like, everybody just ignored her. Her boss got the Nobel Prize. Boss wow. was oh not my god, that hurts! <laughs> <laughs> that really hurts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she also died from cancer due to the radiation. Huh. Like Honestly, just like my also. Uh, just like karma. I really hope. Like usually, I believe in karma, and like <laughs> karma hopefully got that boss like for yeah. stealing the credits that like were definitely not his. You know, uh, if I if I look at history and I look at like the lack of white rich men, probably karma never got him. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so basically, even science is uh, tainted by this retelling mm. of what actually happened mm. so just uh, I don't know I think be, about be it. aware of it yeah. like every time you get told the story try to get as many angles of the same story as possible yeah. you know don't be too quick to learn just a one-sided story that's the best tip of the day we could have ended yeah. on yeah. thank yeah. you Belen <laughs> um, I also want to um, send you over to showaboutnothing underscore k103 where you will find more information about uh, when we go live and what shows we have already broadcasted uh, thank you for tuning in today and uh, yeah very very cool thank you both of you Belen and Declan for mm. en- enlightening me today thank about uh, oral history I mean you already knew so much but yeah I, I also wanted to thank Declan for coming in thanks for having me uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, thank you for being a force of inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're sliding out um, on a song that uh, Declan got into the radio rotation. It's called "Pretty Lights" by Anthony Simpkins. Enjoy. Happy weekend. Thank Bye. You.
my god, we're approaching 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> Let's try this again. Thank god this isn't live. You've just heard a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You'll find all our shows at k103.se. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Stay tuned. <laughs>